1: All right. Welcome, everyone, back to another edition of New Books in Education. This is your host, Ryan Allen. And today I'm excited to bring a book that I think is a very personal journey for uh, the author, but then also very important for, I think, people who are interested in, in education, identity, um, sort of uh, immigration boundaries. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff to, to unpack in this book, and I think a lot of people are going to be interested um, in our author's story today. So today I'm excited to bring on Dr. Katerina. Uh, She is the Associate Professor of Education, Department of Education Policy Studies in the College of Education at Penn State University, and I'm excited to bring her book, Across Three Continents, Reflections on Immigration, Education, and Personal Survival, and this is published by Peter Lang, publishing 2015 from the American Studies University Series. Uh, uh, Katerina, thank you very much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So uh, if we could you you this is a, a very personal uh, uh, book for you. Uh, this is your essentially your life story, although you're you're also a sociologist and an educator as well. so you sort of weave those things in there. But if we could, maybe um, you know what what got you to to start writing this book or what were you thinking about? Um, I know you have an, an-, an anecdote in the book with with your son. Can you kind of talk about uh, some of those things? Absolutely.
0: Um, so just a brief biographical uh, sort of fact, right? I was sure. born in, in Moscow, in Soviet Union, and I went through school there. And I also started my undergraduate education in the Institute of Economics and Statistics. And then uh, Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, soon after that, I uh, left the country. And for the next 10 years, I lived in Israel. I got my um, undergraduate degree in sociology and also master's in sociology from Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and then my desire to get my PhD in sociology brought me to the United States. Um, So I had this personally, first-hand experience in three very different educational systems, and three very different uh, contexts, politically, economically, culturally, you name it. And um, for all those years, I probably used some of this experience, and definitely um, uh, in my classes, bringing examples uh, from Russia, from Soviet Union times, um, from Soviet times, uh, from Israel, and, and, and it was just sort of the, the part of who I am, right? And then uh, at one bright day, um, out of nowhere, um, my, my kid at the time, he was 13, he just comes in and, and said, mom, why don't you write a book? And my husband and I, we were in, in the kitchen, kind of, you know, looking at him and, you know, 13 years old, boy and not necessarily sentimental and, and <laughs> can't really appreciate, right. for the most part, uh, the whole complexity of the parents' double sure. immigrant experience. And I, I kind of looking at him In why, why do you think that, right? And he says, mom, you have an interesting story. And what parent doesn't want to hear that, right, uh, from from the 13-year-old? Um, and, and quite frankly, I had those ideas before, but I kind of pushed them aside because, oh, come on, you know, me writing a memoir, who's going to read it? Who's going to publish it? Uh, What's the point? But, of course, when your kid is talking, you're listening. And, and I... Still, you know, I, I kind of had this idea. I was very excited and and I had sort of all the reason and all the material inside of me, just just talking about it, having this sociological lenses, working in the field of education, having those experiences. But it still took me about six months to convince myself, and and, and, and I kept it a secret for, for the um, until probably the first draft was finished. Only very few people knew that I'm doing that. Uh, but then it was out, and, and you know the rest is sort of. We'll see where it will take me.
1: Sure, fantastic! I think that's that's a, a lot of praise right there from a 13 year old boy. Uh, your child who usually isn't that interested in maybe anything his parents are doing, so that's fantastic that's that's great high praise right there um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if we could maybe let's kind of jump into it. You kind of open up with your uh, family history a little bit um, and and you also in dedication to to uh, i believe your your grandmother as well um, right would you mind maybe get into that a little bit? Right,
0: so I, uh, my family on both sides is Jewish uh, because I was born in Soviet times where any kind of religion was uh, essentially suppressed by the state. Um, Soviet state was uh, anti-Semitic um, in the very profound way. There were quotes, uh, how many Jews you can accept at a certain university or could Jews even hold certain positions. Uh, I was blissfully unaware of most of it, for the most of my time in 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 Russia, uh, because my family was essentially this your typical Soviet family, your typical middle class Soviet family, and I'm saying it with a huge grain of sarcasm, right? Because when you say middle class in Soviet Union, it doesn't mean nearly the same thing that it means in the West. Uh, but my um, grandparents essentially moved from um, right after the revolution; they moved from. Um, uh, places in, in Ukraine, and um, Belarus, it's on my mother's side, uh, uh, where Jews were allowed to, uh, to reside uh, to uh, St. Petersburg, uh, Leningrad, and uh, in, in Moscow, respectively, in order to get uh, the education. And so I'm in this very interesting situation. I'm essentially a third-generation woman in my family with higher education. Which is not very typical, right? So the Soviet, the communist revolution kind of opened the doors uh, for women and for minorities and, and, and definitely um, uh, many people um, to use this opportunity. And so uh, most of the history, so most of the time I lived in, in Russia kind of knew that I was Jewish, but didn't mean much. Uh, so I had a very Jewish uh, last name, Steinfeld. Budowski uh, is my husband's name. Um, and, in um, uh, that, that wasn't a topic of conversation. Essentially, uh, only coming to Israel, I, I realized the, the, the magnitude of things I didn't know. Um, and that would include uh, Holocaust. Uh, Soviet uh, history textbooks spend a lot of time on World War II. Right? It's, it's a great patriotic war. It's, it's a huge part of Soviet history. Yet the Holocaust was never mentioned once because uh, Jews were never singled out being uh, um, a specific kind of targeted victim of Nazis. And um, I didn't know a lot of things. And in, it's in, in, in sort of ima- amazing ignorance given my, my Jewish background. And it's unclear whether my... Um, and grandparents just wanted to shield me from that, or they didn't want to talk about it, because um, my paternal grandparents uh, were actually coming of age and, and had the kind of professional life during the um, a case that didn't come to fruition. It's the case of the doctors was another ethnic cleansing uh, uh, case in in uh, um, in plans for, for Stalin. Uh, luckily, he died in 1953, so it didn't really uh, get to the magnitude it got with other uh, ethnic groups but they got a message of, of fear of inferiority of marginalization and so uh, because we lived in moscow and moscow is a very large city um it wasn't kind of an issue and so my personal school experience or friends experience. I never experienced anti-Semitism in in, in in Soviet Union, but only coming to Israel, looking back and my uh, uh, family experience, including how my dad wasn't accepted in particular university because he was clearly told that with his last name he just shouldn't come to the sword exam. Um, and, and later on, my uncle confirmed similar story, but it was decades later, essentially. Nobody talked about it at the time. So uh, my story, and on the one hand, is very Jewish because it just happened to be, uh, it just happened to be on both sides of the family. But it was uh, my Jewish experience also was very different in, in in Soviet Union while I lived there, and then in Israel, and then in the United States. So that's yet another narrative in, in the book. Right,
1: right. Well, well, I think if we could, if we could talk a little bit about the, you know, it. You kind of talked about a little bit like maybe your father was feeling uh, some of these some of these pressures. Um, but maybe what was fueling sort of uh, the uh, uh, departure that you end up leaving, um, and it, and if you could maybe talk about the memories of sort of your understanding or conception of of, of of having to leave, or or feelings that you know you're leaving. This is your home. This is the only place you sort of know. Especially since you um, have already said you didn't feel sort of anti as, as as you mentioned.
0: I think sort of my experience um, personal have, has been uh, pretty ignorant uh, on, on that side. But um, I finished high school in 1990, and um, I was in in my first year of college, essentially, uh, when the uh, second year in college, I'm sorry, when the Soviet Union collapsed. And uh, all of a sudden, that was sort of a very different um situation to face because uh, in Soviet times, the government prescribed jobs and essentially uh, people who were uh, graduating from universities were guaranteed a job. Um, That sounds like a great idea in in the sort of uncertainty of of a capitalist economy. But again, any guarantee comes with a price and the price is usually the price of choice and freedom of choice, which was absolutely absent there because you were assigned a job that you had to hold for a, a, a certain certain number of years um in in so the life for the soviet generations was Prescribed in, in 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 a way, uh, people would finish university, get married somewhere around that time or r- right after that, get the job, probably will stay there for life, and if they're lucky, they will receive the apartment or some kind of housing from the uh, from the employer. Because Soviet Union also did not have private property, um, uh, and so people couldn't buy, uh, couldn't purchase apartments, would not sell apartments. Uh, it was only uh, either given by the state or the employer, but essentially the state. Or or they have to exchange it somehow. And in later years, this, the other ways were introduced, but it's still not the market economy. We know it today. And so, uh but that's sort of the, the, the fact, but the, the texture of the time, right? So the, 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 the feeling was that everything is going to piss us, right? And Soviet Union used to be a really large country, right? And, and uh, whether it was efficient, it's better, whether its economy was efficient or not, it's, it's, it's a different question, but it sort of worked somehow, right? So there were uh, connections between different former republics of Soviet Union. Uh, uh, you know, goods were uh, transported from one place to another, and, you know, we had electricity, we had hot water, we had some kind of, you know, groceries in the stores. I mean, the quality and, and the variety, uh, uh, it, again, it's a, it's a different story, but it still sort of worked. And then all of a sudden, 1992 happens – and, and there are lines for milk and bread. Two hours lines for milk and bread. And Moscow has had been always provided much better for than the rest of the country. So that was the situation in Moscow. The situation in other regions was was, was uh, much worse. And uh, there is this profound sense of uncertainty, right? Because okay, so communism fell to pieces, but it's unclear what's next, right? It's unclear. So people get education, what for? Where are, you going, where are they going to work? What's going to happen? And um, to me, and, and, I, and I put it in, in the book, so it was just one day when I came out of subway station in, in the middle of Moscow, and it's a very beautiful place, and Moscow is on the hill, so that subway station is on one hill, and I can see the, the avenue, very large avenue, four lanes in each direction, uh, going to the next hill. And the pedestrian space is very large, and it's entirely filled with people. People that were buying and selling stuff, from fur coats to condoms and everything in between. <laughs> and at that moment, I had this feeling I had to get out of there. It, it I, I couldn't see myself in that, right? And historically, 1992 was one of the lowest points in, in, in post-socialist, post-Soviet history. Um, things changed and, and improved and got more complicated. But it, it, that was that moment in which I no longer could see my future in that country.
1: Hmm. Wow, that, wow um, that, that's, that's... Uh, incredible, really. I mean, to think about your, like a teen who's going through and, and sort of seeing this history. Um, and then, having that realization that this this isn 't going to be this isn 't for you or you can 't really survive in this or you don 't want to maybe uh, continue in this but but then you you know you make the move to uh israel and, and i and i you said you, you said you 're Jewish but can you talk about the the cultural difficulties and the maybe if you had linguistic difficulties uh, moving over to a new society what what was that like the education how was that different? And you get into some of those things.
0: So in Soviet school, I learned French as a foreign language. And so after realizing that I no longer desire to live in Russia... I thought about what I'm going to do, and the first thing I did, I went to learn English. I, I started uh, uh, English classes. It's very interesting, and I think very symbolic. What do you want? What do you do when you want to change your life forever? You, you study English. Um, Ten years of French helped me um, to kind of get on up to speed with English had essentially only nine months of of formal instruction of English. That was the year, my my last, essentially, year in Russia. Uh, The fact that I was Jewish allowed me to immigrate to Israel pretty quickly. Mm. Israel has many different programs for um, uh, Jewish uh, people who are interested in, in moving to Israel. And at the time, the program I was Uh, on a really targeted young people who wanted to continue the education in Israeli universities. So um, I went to the Israeli Cultural Center. I watched a short video about um, top Israeli universities. And that short video um, kind of solidified my idea that I just leave everything behind, and I just go to Jerusalem to study in Hebrew University, and I will study sociology. Because when you're 19 years old, that's how life works, right? You just decided. You don't know the language. You don't know anybody in that country, but that's okay, right? I won't do it now, right? I mean, <laughs> what I could do uh, so many years ago, I don't think I I'm, I'm, i can. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm certain I wouldn't be able to make those changes, or, or even on a much uh, smaller scale today. So I uh, came to Israel with zero Hebrew, zero. I, I learned the alphabet. That, wow. that, that's all I, I, yeah. I knew. And my nine months old English, and it was January 1993. And I decided that I'm studying sociology starting full semester in 1993. Because, again, I was by that time I was 20 years old, but still that sort of works, right? You're 20 and, and, and you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel is very good in teaching Hebrew very quickly, and Hebrew is also a fairly logical language that is not that hard to learn after you get over this sort of alphabet and, and writing in writing on in a different direction and after you sort of get get over your first culture shock, right that the language works completely differently from, let's say, French, English, or Russian, for that matter, um, then then, then it's much easier. But it it was really, you know, there's this Israeli term chutzpah, right? I think I had tons of chutzpah, right? Because I wouldn't recommend anybody to study sociology in the language that you learn for nine months, essentially. But I did that. Uh, I got to Hebrew University, and um, my grades weren't that high in the first year, and um, I probably missed a lot of material that that's why I had to do my PhD essentially in sociology probably, you know, filling in some gaps that um, stayed there from my freshman year. But it was fun experience. It was difficult. Um, I think you ask a very good question. Educationally, it's a very different system. Soviet system, uh, really, you, you learn the material and you spit it back at your teacher's Mostly during oral examinations that's how Soviet education worked and and I was fairly good at that and I'm coming to Israel and uh, all exams are written and most exams from the very early years in undergraduate require critical thinking, mm-hmm. require synthesis, require taking ideas from one place and applying it on another. And that was another culture shock, right, because I had no experience with that. And um, it, it was very difficult. It was very difficult. My undergraduate, my three years of undergraduate in Hebrew University were very challenging years because I had to kind of rewind my my, 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 my learning my my whole learning process. It was worth it because I really was interested in what I was studying, and uh, Hebrew University is amazing, and um, so that, that worked. The end, it worked.
1: Yeah, I mean that's great. I mean it sounds like you were able to overcome that. Uh, that alone, I think, is is an inspiring story to a lot of people. Me, I'm studying uh, another language as well, so hearing that you you know, in nine months, we're able to uh, take on an academic subject in sociology after uh, nine months of English. That's very impressive. So, um, in
0: English and Hebrew, so and Hebrew. Hebrew university, the instruction is in Hebrew, most of the literature is in English, so I had my nine old nine months old Hebrew and about nine months old uh English in terms of formal instruction. I had to apply it, but just to be fair, I learned French for ten years. I don't speak French okay. right so until you really need the language and need your language for university studies, you don't really know it
1: right, so okay. don't
0: feel bad about right.
1: it yeah. if
0: you go to the country, then you will you will learn
1: it but. You, Give some inspiration to to the to the listeners. Thank thank you for that. Um, if we could, though, you you, you sort of I think uh, you know you graduate college, you um, sort of come into yourself as an adult. Uh, do you sort of have the idea that sociology is or education is something that you're going to pursue? Um, how how did that sort of crystallize in in this in this period, maybe after college? Uh, I think
0: it. It happened all very quickly you know big things happened very quickly for me for some reason i got a glimpse of sociology in russia and interestingly enough the secretary of the communist party of the institute where i was studying actually taught introduction to sociology for us in this in my last semester in moscow and i i kind of got this feeling the sense that well that's really interesting so when i was looking at programs in Hebrew University, I really wanted to study sociology. And I fell in love with sociology. I loved it uh, right away because it sort of gives you this this opportunity to to bring together so many different things, right? You're looking at time and place. You're putting anything that happens to individuals or groups of individuals in the context of time and place. And also, uh, you're bringing together the the political and cultural and economic and um, uh, social circumstances. So that was very appealing. Education, I actually wasn't planning to study at all. In fact, during my undergraduate, I thought that I would do cultural studies of so sociology of fashion. I was interested in how people use different um, uh, objects and clothes, or so, you know, jewelry, accessories, homes, uh, uh, to, to signify the social boundaries, uh, social belonging. Um, and so when I started my master's in sociology, my uh, advisor asked me if I've ever took any class in education, and I quite honestly said, well, it sounds so boring. <laughs> and, and he said, well, but you have to try and, and take this particular class of, of a Professor Rubin Khan. Uh, he, he passed away a year after I came to the States, and, and it was very interesting, and in fact, it was very, it, it wasn't boring at all, and, and uh, soon enough, I was doing sociology education in, 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 uh, in the context of my master's, pursuing my master's degree, and at the same time, I started working in the uh, Institute of Human Development in Jerusalem, in the department, in the Center of Children and Youth, so I could use some of my sort of theoretical knowledge in, in practice, and I ended up working there for five years while pursuing my master's degree. Um, so, so it all came together. So by the time I was done with my master's, I really knew that I wanted to pursue a PhD in sociology, and I will be doing sociology education for the rest
1: of my life, pretty sure. much. Sure. Uh, if you could, then then maybe tell us about because you you know you knew you wanted to go and and get a PhD. Uh, what? Why then? Jump to the United States? Uh, what was attractive about that um, for you as someone who sort of had already made one one jump? Uh, what What was sort of your mindset, and what what were you looking for? I suppose that's
0: a great question. Because I got my undergraduate and master's degree from the same university, I kind of knew that I don't want to do yet another degree in in another in, uh, in in the same university. And my advisor, Aaron Benavot, Um, it really, we had this conversation and I, I, thought to go abroad somewhere and I actually was thinking about Canada at the time and so Aaron said, well, if you really want to do PhD in, in, in social education, that's what you want to do, you probably should go to the States, that, that's where sort of the, 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 that would open all the doors for you, give you all, all the sort of opportunities and, and he was right and uh, he's been my advisor, we we know each other for 21 years and I'm, I'm still listening to his advice, he's an amazing mentor and and uh i uh I, I first had doubts that i would be able to um uh you know to, to get accepted to those programs because again it's very hard when when you live here it's it's very hard to understand the 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 distance the mental distance so the mental distance between russia and israel was was like a distance between two planets but me with my sort of russian in a way my mindset, right, I, you know, I still spent 20 years in Soviet Union and then living those years in Israel, America was a galaxy way. <laughs> it, it, right. it, I mean, it's, it's not, you don't think about it as, as you think about the transition uh, nowadays, right, because, I mean, uh, we came here 13 years ago, so to me it, it was really going to a different galaxy. So, so, so I've never visited America, I, I've heard a lot, obviously, uh, I've read American sociologists work uh, during my studies in Hebrew University, but I, I really Thought that uh, I, I was convinced that well, if Aaron says I probably should do that, but I'm um, what are the chances? How, how would I be able to be accepted and and, and come to the states? Uh, but Aaron insisted that I will take the GRE and TOEFL, and, and so I it's, it's interesting, right? It's the sort sets of the exams on the sort language to get the sort educational system, All right? right? That's right. Uh, but, but it just all happened. It, it just all happened, and it all came together. And um, I wanted by that by the time I was applying for schools, I really knew that I wanted to work with George Farkas, um, who just moved to Penn State a couple of years before uh, um, I came here, and I knew his work and and his another amazing mantra. I really have a huge lack in my life for people and, and for mentors in particular. And so that was just fantastic experience. Five years as a doctoral status were absolutely worth it.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And, and it, if I could, you know, I, I hear this sometimes from uh, non-Americans that, especially who've had experience in a third country Um, When they come to America, it it almost seems more alien than than anything else that they've experienced. So I'm wondering if if you if you had that kind of experience as well. Um, And then just to follow up, maybe on on jumping off of the previous question about the Israeli difference between Soviet education. Um, When you came to America, did did you find it familiar um, education wise?
0: Yes, actually, I mean it was the education was was less shocking, not shocking at all, because Israeli universities, to a great degree, are have been conceived following um, sort of the Western example, and there, there are such huge ties between Israeli academia and American academia. And being an being an undergraduate in, in Israel, I already was reading uh, um, articles from the top American sociological journals. Um, So all of the skills that I've acquired in Israel uh, were proved very useful here. And uh, doctoral studies are just, challenging in, the, in its own right for anybody, right. you know, it's not really the matter of the language or of the country. Um, I think it was, uh, you know, I, I've read in English for, by that time, for quite a few years, but I've never, uh, I've never written anything in English and my speaking skills were limited to whatever opportunities to speak English I had up to that point. Uh, but I think within a year or two, it sort of kind of smoothed out those differences and um educationally i felt very comfortable and again i you know in my and i i make it very clear in the book uh, because i sort of my chapters is you know russia and israel then i call the sort, part my america because america is a very large very diverse country and i can account for the entire united the united states but sort of my experience of my America has been absolutely magical because I came to State College, where Penn State University is, and I absolutely fell in love. I mean, there's no other way to describe it because that was very different from anything I knew before, right? I lived in Moscow, which is a large city. It's a capital. Jerusalem is a, you know, it's a large city. It's a capital, much smaller than Moscow. But still, uh, you know, there's traffic. There's, you know, the the distances. It takes forever to go from one place to another. And uh, especially my Israeli years were quite terrible. In years that were the those were the years of a lot of unrest and in terrorism and bombing and, and bus explosions. So it, it, it was very very stressful. And then we land there in this in the middle of of this green peaceful colorful. Right. Place that I didn't know existed on Earth, so like the American University is an invention of, of its own, right? It's right. probably not an, not an invention completely, but, I mean, I've never experienced anything quite like that. And, and so that was wonderful because it was, it was all of a sudden peaceful and quiet and, and still really, really good, you know, that mm-hmm. a small place attracts amazing people from all around the world, uh, both in terms of uh, faculty and, and, and students. So it, it really worked very well. I mean, it was very stressful for all kinds of other reasons because we came to the States uh, just um, 10 months after September 11, and um, I, I, I talk about it in the book, uh, you know, all the Completely, in complete insanity with the paperwork and in issuing a working visa for for my husband. Uh, there that, that was a, many, many difficulties, many, many difficulties. But educationally, it was a great and still is is a, professionally is, is a great experience for for us.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, we're, we're kind of coming winding down to the end. I know we had to skip over a lot of stuff. It's impossible to sort of put everything into into the podcast. But that's why you know people people should check out the book. But but I. I wanted to ask, um, about your, uh, one thing that you mentioned in the final <coughs> chapter, uh, and, and, your quote, why immigration makes you a better sociologist. So, um, if we could, maybe can you get into a, that a little bit, um, in, in, the last couple minutes of wrapping up, um, and, and, if you could tell us also, uh, just one thing that you want us to take away, uh, from, from this book and from your experience. Right. I'll try.
0: I think um, immigration inserts this dimension into sociological inquiry. If if I just said sociological inquiry always takes into account the dimension of time and place. And immigration inserts another dimension of transition. And so to be a sociologist effectively you need to step back, right? You need to kind of give up on your taking for granted millions and zillions of taking for granted assumptions and, 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 and question them, right? And once once you, 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 you're doing the immigration, in my case doing it twice, uh, you do it very easily, right? You're stepping back and everything is a question mark because there is nothing that is absolutely given, right? Everything is social and culturally constructed. So I think it helped me a lot in, in my work and also in particular education because uh, education is is very uh, uh much embedded in the context of the country and the system it it it, it occurs right um so I, I think that was really a plus for me so all these experiences uh were really uh positive and uh, i take away i think um it, it, you know, it's, it's very much a cliche right so on the personal level i think it's it's definitely uh, people should make their own choices and, and question and, and apply critical thinking on their own assumptions about anything, about what life is, about what does it mean to be a woman, uh, what does it does it mean to have a family. And I'm talking in my book about parenting and family and women and, and education. Um, and another sort of, I think the message that happened to me and I illustrated with my experience is that education is a very powerful vehicle and channel of change, right? Because it, it brought my grandmothers to uh, universities, first um, uh, generation day families. It, it brought me uh, to two different continents, right? But professionally, I think what my, the message of my book is really how we can see the large social forces and large social structures shaping individual biographies, essentially. that—that that, I think my, my entire book, it's, it's the illustration of that exact point.
1: Sure, and if... Is, if I could, um, maybe just close us off with uh, this sort of last quote, which I think is really encapsulating. Uh, I'm a human being. I'm a woman, a mother, a wife, a friend, a daughter, a colleague. I'm a sociologist, an educator, a scholar. I'm Russian. I'm Jewish. I'm Israeli. I'm American. I'm just me. I'm Katarina. I think that's a, just a, a fantastic line, which is which it sort of uh, close the book with, or it's towards the end of the book. Um, and, and I just want to thank everyone I think you should check out the book I think you, you can get this personal experience but then with this sort of I have a sociologist, I have an ed- educator um, fantastic narrative so uh, everyone check out Across Three Continents Reflections on Immigration, Education and Personal Survival and I just want to thank the author Dr. Katarina Bodowoski for joining me today um, and to everyone out there thank you so much thank you